King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, and we praise you and glorify your holy name. We welcome you in this place. We welcome you in this place. You're a good God, wonderful and mighty and majestic in all your ways. We love you, Lord. We are here to praise you. We are here to worship you. We're here to glorify your holy name, Father, for you're worthy of it.
Sadness is running It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after
trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never, he will never fail. And I trust in God, my Savior. Oh! 
before the throne.
soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain.
You are 
of God. We're going to receive communion at this time, so if I could get the those of who are helping this morning, we're going to distribute the elements. I can't think of a, anything that expresses the worthiness of God any more than passing that out there's two there's two cups together the bottom one has the piece of bread in it the top one has the juice so be sure to take both cups
broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. We take this small little piece of bread, this wafer. It is in remembrance of that which Christ did for us. We would not be in this place today had it not been for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was not killed in the mindset that someone takes somebody's life. He gave his life, the Bible says. He gave it. And he says when we take this bread, we're to be reminded of that. And the purpose of his giving his life was to pay the penalty for the sins of mankind. To pay the penalty that our sins reap. We reap what we sow. And our sin reaps damnation. But Christ came, God's only Son, and He lived among us without sin. He died on the cross, and then He's been raised from the dead. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It was the price that God requires. For the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There is no remission of sin. It's not a covering over. It is a complete washing away. And he says, so when you take this, be reminded of that which I have done. You see, the enemy wants to come and condemn us of sin. He wants to condemn us of stuff that God has already forgiven us for. This simply reminds me that through his precious blood, I have already been forgiven. And that sin has been washed as far as the east is from the west. It is gone. It is over. It is done. As Jesus said on the cross before he bowed his head, it is finished. What I came to do is complete. It's finished. So Father, we thank you and we praise you as we take this bread this morning. We are reminded of the great sacrifice that your son gave, that you gave, for you gave your son. And then your son laid down his life for us. So now we have a relationship with you that's been restored because Jesus died on the cross that we might live. So we take this bread with that in mind and we give thanks. You can take the bread. And it says after...
coming back to take his church to be home with him. This is a reminder of it. He said, he told his disciples, he said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until I do it with you in my father's house. We look forward to his coming. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that as we take this cup, we are reminded not only what you have done, but what lies ahead, that you're ready to come and receive us unto yourself. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can take the cup. Lord, we praise you and we thank you now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the camaraderie that we have as a body we come together and partake together in the communion service. Now, Holy Spirit, we just pray that as you would open our hearts and our minds and our understanding to what you would have to say to us today out of your word, that your purpose and plan be brought forth in our lives in this place for the glory of Jesus Christ we pray amen and amen and amen can we, can we take a moment thank you worship team but I want us to take a moment to pray next weekend a Friday and Saturday is Micaiah's call and we want to pray for all of that that's going to be taking place and those who will be coming Friday night and Saturday can we do that together believe believe for a mighty move of God I just read yesterday I think it was yesterday in Birmingham this past week they had 12,000 young people show up uh, for a time of ministry together and they, and you know the all the media is saying even religious media is saying the church is dead and, and the Christianity's dying and young people don't care. I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God always has a remnant. And there, are, and, and there we've sung about fire and we've sung, sung about burning and we all of those things. You know what fire does? It illuminates. It illuminates darkness. And so let's just pray for Micaiah's call, for those who are speaking, for the worship team, for those who will be attending. God would move in a mighty way right here in Lafayette this coming weekend. Father, you know what you've already prepared in your heart. You know. I believe that you've already ordained it and decreed it, Lord God. But we just simply come into agreement with it. We say, Lord, we ask you to move in such a powerful way with the worship with the speakers that are here. But not only just speaking, God, let ministry take forth. Let lives be absolutely changed by the power of God, by the power of your word, Lord, by the anointing of the Spirit. Let lives be forever changed, not for a weekend, but for a lifetime. And we pray this in the mighty name Why don't you just turn to somebody and say, so be it. So be it. Let it be done. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me make a real quick announcement. I've been asked to make this that following 
the service. Uh, after a service right across the hall in the prayer room, uh, anyone who's interested in uh, learning about JBQ Junior Bible Quiz for grades um, K-5 through 6, if you're interested, there'll be a, a quick meeting right across the hall. Um, learn, learn, let your kids learn the Word of God. Amen. I mean, Amen. learn the Word of God. They, they, the ones who have been competing for years in our church and, and around the state, they would put most adults to shame. I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee you that. And so, uh, anyway, we want you to know about that. It's right after service, right across the hall, okay? Let me switch microphones here. There we go. Uh, and we want to thank you for your, your faithfulness in giving. You see the slides up on the screen. We have four different ways that you can uh, uh, give unto the ministry here at Life Church. Um, we have offering boxes on the back wall. You can drop an envelope in there. Um, envelopes are found on the boxes. Some are found on the back of the seats. We have a website. There's the text to giving. The number is up on the screen. Um, uh, you can go do the website. You can you can use an app. We have an app that will work on any of the smartphones. And so we thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you last week for those of you who gave to missions, and uh, we appreciate it so much. A good number of you responded to that. And I just want to say thank you to it. Amen. Uh, I, I, my message this morning is simply titled, Expecting Miracles. I preached a message about 14, 15 years ago. Um, something along this line, but this is totally different. Um, in, that, in fact, I began working on it through the week, and then I thought I had it done. And then yesterday, God just took me woke me up in the middle of the night and said, that's the wrong direction, it's the right title, but it's the wrong direction. And I said, okay, Lord, come back and, let, and let's work on it. And so, um, anyway, what I'm going to give you today, pull this down a little bit. It's, I'm hearing some ringing in here. Pull my mic down just a little bit. Anyway, so let me get started on this really quick. Um, let me open what, tell you a story. Um, years ago, uh, the late John McKay, he was a coach at USC for 16 years. Then he became the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. And he once told a story il illustrating the supreme confidence. I know, please don't boo me. This is the story. I can't help it. Uh, but it's so illustrating the supreme confidence of the late University of Alabama football coach Bear Bryant. The two of them were out on a duck hunt together. And they had gone hunting, and they said, and they sat out there for three hours, and they hadn't seen a single duck. I don't know about you, after three hours, I'm going home, man. I'm like, they ain't flying, we're going home. But anyway, he said, they sat out there for three hours, and then suddenly, here comes one lonely duck flying right towards them. He said, Bear Bryant fired his gun. He said, and that duck still kept flying on. And Bear watched the duck flap away, and he turned to John McKay. He turned to him, and he said, I want to tell you, he said, you are witnessing a genuine miracle, for there flies a dead duck. <laughs> and you say, well, what's the point? Bear Bryant stated that because he expected to hit that duck 
and he had confidence he would not miss. He was so confident, there's no way he's going to miss. He said, that's a dead duck that's still flying on. That's, he was convinced of that. Well, I, I thought of that because I, I hear people pray all the time. In fact, in the last two weeks, I've heard this several times. So please don't be offended. I'm not going to point anybody out or anything like that. But I've heard people pray for miracles. And yet... To hear the way it's being prayed for almost tells you they're hoping for miracles rather than praying and believing for miracles. And that's my point this morning. I want you to hear what I have to say about that. Because I would submit that the church today is not seeing the the things that God wants to do. How many of you know there's no problem with God's ability to do miracles or wonders or anything else that the Bible talks about? It's not on God's side. It's on our side. Because I think many times when we pray, we're praying with an attitude of wishfulness or an attitude of hopefulness rather than an attitude of believing. And so because of that, we seldom see them happen. I want to read from Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 24, a passage you may be familiar with. It has all kinds of ramifications in it, but I want to focus on one part of it. It says, One in the crowd answered, Teacher, speaking of Jesus, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it takes hold on him, it dashes him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and gnashes with his teeth and becomes rigid. And I told your disciples so that they would cast it out, but they could not. You need to understand, at this point in the ministry of Christ and his disciples had been called, they had already been ministering in the way that Jesus had taught them. Uh, Mark is, is a, a smaller chapter compared to Luke and John and Matthew. And, and we, if you looked at the timeline, Jesus had already taught them. He'd been doing this. He'd already empowered them and sent them out. They'd come back. They had replied, even demons are subject to us under your name. So he's saying, I brought them to your servants, your disciples, but they could not cast this demon out of my son. And so Jesus answered, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, speaking the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit dashed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has it been since it came to him? And he said, from childhood. So we don't know how old the boy was, obviously, because he's saying since his childhood. We don't know if, he, if from a baby or a toddler. We don't know how old he was at this point. But he says, from childhood. And he says, often it has thrown him into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. And Jesus said, 
If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now we could unpack that and go like six different directions this morning, but I want to come back and look at verse 22 and verse 23. Let me put it up here. And it says here, he talks about what he does to the boy, this demon inside of him. But he says, but if you can do anything, I've underlined that for you. I want you to notice that. But if, I capitalize that, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And here's how Jesus responds. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, if we take the response that Jesus has and we break that down even more, I don't want to get real technical about this, but the first clause of that sentence is an incomplete sentence. If you can believe. That in and of itself is an incomplete sentence, right? If you can believe. It, it, it's like, if you can believe what? It's, it's a part, part of a sentence there, okay? But if you take that and break it between it and the last words, the meaning will stand out more clearly, okay? It, it, if I were to paraphrase it, doing what I just told you, taking that first part and the last part, it would be something like this, and I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can see it. It would be something like this. Jesus is say, speaking and saying, Did you say to me, if you can do anything? In other words, he's saying, did you say, if I can do anything? That's the wrong if, because there's no doubt about that. That's what Jesus is saying. Then he goes on and says, the only if in the question is another if. And that is not about me, but it's about you, if you can believe. So the man says, if you can do anything, Jesus goes, whoa, time out. I mean... You understand what I'm saying, right? He's going, that's not the if. It's not if I can do anything. In fact, if you go back and read in, in Mark chapter 2, there's another place where a leper comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you desire, and he said, if I desire, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. He's like, he's almost like, if, almost, almost indignant. What do you mean, if I can do it? What do you mean, if I desire? Do you not understand? So then he, 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 he doubles it up and he goes, the only if here is not about me, if I can do it, or if I care, or if I want to. The if is on your part. Do you believe? That's what he's saying. And so it's like the only question here is, if you can believe, then all things... The old things are possible. The old things depends on you. The old things depends on me. If you can believe, your son can be healed. Your son can be delivered. If you can believe. And of course, the father cries out, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's an honest statement. But he makes the reference that he believes. And so kind of to explain and establish what Jesus has just said, he adds that statement. He says that all things are possible to him or to that person that 
believes. I, when I wrote, began writing all this stuff out, I, I made a list a mile long of things from my own personal life and from the Word that, that would be hindrances to receiving miracles of God in our life. And then I realized that really wasn't the point. I, it wasn't about the hindrances. I want to get to the part that's the most important part is how to receive. But there's a few things I want to point out real quick. And the first one is just comfort zones. We have a hard time believing God to operate outside our comfort zone. And the minute we do that, we limit God. And, and the minute you limit God, that, there, there's the problem. It's on you. It's not on God, okay? We get caught up in our traditions and we think that God has done it this way before, so this is the way he has to do it every time. The Bible says that Jesus did so many things that if everything had been written down, the world couldn't contain all the books. And here's something I'm going to tell you because I feel the Holy Spirit is saying this because I know that's what he's impressing on me again, is that God is going to keep encouraging us to get beyond what feels comfortable and keep stretching us to be where he wants us to be. I, I originally had written something like God is going to keep pushing us. No, he's not going to push. We, it's up to us. Are we going to believe? Are we going to take his word at what it says? And are we going to say, that's for me. I'm going to move in. I'm going to take hold. I'm going to push forward. God is going to encourage us to do so, but he's not going to force us. He's not going to make us do it, okay? The second hindrance a lot of times to receiving miracles is moments of fear. Now, if you say that you don't ever get fearful, you're lying. I'm just telling you, we all have moments of fear. It may be a split moment, but there are times that fear is real and it's genuine, okay? Um, if, if you don't believe that, go stand right out in the middle of Johnson Street and close your eyes. Yeah. No, you won't do it. You won't even take the first step because why? There's a healthy fear that says that's a dangerous place to be, okay? I'm just saying... Sometimes God is encouraging us and we'll get right to the edge and all of a sudden we become fearful and focus on the problem rather than focusing on the Lord. And we begin to start and worry about what are other people going to think? What about my reputation? What if God doesn't come through? Ooh, that's a big one. You know, but, but listen, I would rather step out believing God for a miracle then never believe and never see anything happen. You have to decide because Jesus said all things are possible to the person who would believe. The third hindrance is just looking in the mirror because what happens is we often see our weaknesses rather than seeing God's greatness. I, I, I could preach a whole message on that. I'm just going to leave it right there. You, it's not about who you see. It's about who you see. <laughs> who, are you, who do you see in this word? Do you believe that Jesus said all things? I'm asking you right now. Do you believe Jesus meant all things when he said all things? Look at your neighbor and ask them. Do you believe all things means all things? 
Boy, that was a real quiet light. <laughs> I mean, really? Does all mean all? Then why do we keep putting it within the boundaries? Why do we keep saying it, it means this? Or why do we... I'll tell you why. And it's this last one. This is where God took me back yesterday. He says, my people don't see because they don't expect. We're just not expecting God to do anything. We pray, we hope, we wish, we would love to see it, but we're really not expecting it. Is that faith? Is that the faith that God honors? Faith is believing and seeing. Go back and read it. That God's word says, and we, we receive that as, as, as done deal, signed, sealed, delivered kind of thing. But we don't have expectation. I remember years ago the story of the late Charles Spurgeon, who was the pastor of one of the largest churches in London, England in the 19th century. At times he spoke to over 10,000 people. Now you have to understand, the 1800s speak to over 10,000 people in a church. That's mega church before there was such thing as a mega church. And one day a young preacher came to Charles Spurgeon and he said, Mr. Spurgeon, he said, I don't understand it. Whenever you talk to people about the Lord, they always tend to open their lives and they tend to accept Christ. And the young man goes on and says, but you know, when I talk to people about the Lord, nobody's interested. Nobody comes to Christ. What's wrong? And Spurgeon turned to the young man and he says, young man, you don't expect people to come to Jesus Christ every time you talk about them, do you? And the young preacher said, well, of course not. And Spurgeon says, there's your problem. Trapped by his own words. You may be wondering about the graphic thing up there. And, and I've told this story years ago, and I'm going to tell you again because I hope it'll help some of you with what I mean by expectation. I heard someone talking to somebody about it. Why is it when you go to a conference somewhere, God seems to move? And you know what I heard the person say? Because those people are going with an expectation. They expect something somehow, somewhere, that God is going to move when all those people come together. But then when they come back to their home church, they go, God don't move. And you know why? Because they're coming with no expectation. Oh, now you're going to get quiet on me. But I'm telling you, they're coming with no expectation. Or they're coming with the expectation, okay, we're going to sing some songs for a while, or make a few announcements, may have a little do whatever, then they're going to preach a message, and then we're all going to go home. That's the expectation. And so, guess what? You're not disappointed if that's all you get out of it. 
Let me explain this about expectation, how the Lord taught me this several years ago. I don't remember how many years ago it was now, probably 13, 14 years ago, something like that. One day, I came home, and right in front of the door of the church, there were like six boxes just sitting there, like somebody had dumped off six boxes, and I opened it up, and there was just a bunch of old books and magazines and stuff like that sitting in there. And, I, and my, my first response was, well, what, does this look like a garbage dump? Why would somebody come and dump this junk here? Well, I just come from uh, Foley, Alabama, and the pastor's wife at the church over there had for years been telling me that she sold books online. And she said, Pastor Bob, you need to do that. And I'm like, no, I ain't, I ain't got no time for that kind of stuff. So I was getting ready to go throw all those books in the dumpster. And I said, well, let's just go through there and see what's in here. There's some pretty cool books in there. Now, a lot of it was stuff that I wasn't interested in, obviously. But I said, I wonder if this stuff's worth any money. And, and out of the six or seven boxes of books, there was maybe one box total of books that had some value to it. So I said, well, let's just see. Long and short of it was I set up an account online. I listed the books, and I said, I'm, I, I really didn't expect anything to come of it. And uh, in the next two weeks of that month, uh, the last two weeks of the month, I think I sold two to four books. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, it was about $40, $50 total. And I said, well, it didn't cost me anything. That's a pretty good deal. And so I started driving around to book, old bookstores, thrift stores, all kinds of stuff, just looking for something maybe that would be, that would sell and whatever. And I did that for a couple of months, and I would sell, um, it got to where I was two to three, four books a week. And um, I was like, that's, huh, that's all right, a little extra income, a little pocket money, you know. And um, about two months, two and a half months went by like that. And then in December of that year, something happened. It was amazing. It was like a floodgate opened. Now, I had been buying books and putting them on shelves and boxes and trying to find a storage system for it because we didn't have room for it. And, and, um, uh, but in that December, I went from two to three books a week to 126 books in that month with 74 books selling in one week. I'm talking about used books, not new stuff. And then one Friday, I sold 76 books in one 24-hour period. It literally got to the place that as I was posting the listing online, bing, I'm getting emails, that book is sold. This one's sold. This one's sold. This one's sold. And and and. It was in this country, and then I started shipping books all over the, all over the world. And um, my, my email was a bing, 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 bing. I mean, it was crazy. I'm, I'm just telling you, it was crazy for a while. And after several weeks of this, um, I got up every morning expecting to see my online email account full of orders. And I would, I, 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 and and day after day after day for week after week after week, there was order after order after order after order after order. Crazy thing was, three of them were right here in Lafayette. 
And I remember the day they came in, and I, I said, I'm going to go save postage. I'm just going to go deliver these in by hand. And, and one lady freaked out. She goes, I placed that order an hour and a half ago. How did it already get here? And I said, I, I said, you live down the street. I just put it on your doorstep. And she said, please don't do that again. That's scary. So I just... <laughs> Like, I thought it was customer service, you know, but she didn't, she didn't like that. I, I guess I could see how that would, that would work, you know. So anyway, weeks went by, and every day, just dozens and dozens and dozens of orders. And um, uh, one, so one morning I get up, and I fix my coffee, and I go straight to my study in, in, at my house, and I turn on the computer and open the email. No orders. I knew that couldn't be right. I log in online, see there's a mistake or something. No orders, none whatsoever. Not a single order had come through while I was sleeping. As the day went on, I kept checking. I said, maybe there's an order pending. There's an order waiting. You know, they had to wait for clearance of the funds, you know, that kind of thing. I'm waiting. Uh, I, w I was waiting for that, you got mail, you know, never came. And uh, by that evening, not a single order. I'm like, and I thought to myself, something's not right. There should be orders. There should be orders. And I kept checking my email, refresh, 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 refresh. There was nothing there. And so I reasoned in my mind that maybe the last several weeks had just been a special blessing by the Lord, right? And, and, and that it was unreasonable on my part to expect something like that to just keep happening all the time. But the truth be known, I had come to expect to see something there every single time I opened my email. That became the natural, the normal. Nothing there was the unnatural. And so the next morning I get up. I said, well, there'll be, there. there'll be orders there tomorrow. I'm telling you, that night it was hard to go to sleep. Finally, we fell off to sleep, and I said, there'll be orders there tomorrow. And I get up. I got my coffee. I go sit down. No orders. And as I reflected on it, I said, something's not right. Three days go by. Not a single order. I've been filling out dozens of orders for weeks and now three days, not a single order. That doesn't make any sense. And so that morning, that third morning, I remember I was sitting there with my coffee and drinking. And I'm, I'm like, really, I'm, I can't even drink coffee. I put it down and I'm like, Lord, something's wrong. And I felt Holy Spirit inside going, the wrong is with you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, what have you learned over the last several weeks? And I said, well, Lord, you've been good. You've been blessed. You know, I, all those things. Long and short of it, he, he pointed me to the fact that I had grown accustomed and I expected to see orders in my email. That is what I expected. It, to not see it was unexpected. I had trained myself to the place of expectation in that one part of my life. And then he showed me an area of prayer in my own life that I had been praying about, 
To be honest, I really wasn't praying about it. I was complaining about it. I know none of you have ever done that. But we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. And like, where are you, God? Well, isn't something happening? And the Lord told me, he said, um, what about this one area? I said, well, Lord, I've been praying about that. And, and, um, and, and look, when God puts his finger on something in your life, he's not going to get it off. He's not going to remove it until you understand something or you reject it. And if you reject it, he's still going to put his finger right there. And I'm telling you, and, and the thing that I had been praying about, I really had grown to where I was complaining about it. And, and uh, I don't want to get real technical about it, but it was, it was a church issue, and it dealt with the debt that was here at this church. We had a small congregation. I inherited a $2 million debt. And it frustrated me every month paying that mortgage when I knew that 98% of it was interest, tens of thousands of dollars going out the door in interest when I thought that money could be used for ministry if people before me had made such foolish choices and I inherited this mess and I'm going, God, pay it off! But I was complaining. And, and, and so he showed it to me and, 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 and I tried to reason with God. I know none of you have done that. But I tried to reason with him, trying to make him understand where I was coming from. You know, that's called justifying. You know, but, but God, if you understood where I'm at, does God not already understand where we're at? And, and so the Lord just smacked me between the eyes, and he says, why don't you ask me to provide the payoff? And my answer got out of my mouth. Literally, I said this out with my mouth, my words. God, I know you can. And he slapped me right there. He said, God doesn't slap you. Huh. Yeah, he does. I mean, it was like one of those V8 moments, you know. Boom, you know, like you're sitting there. And I said, God, I know you can. And before I could finish my sentence, he interrupted me. He said, well, it's not polite to interrupt. He's God. He can do anything he wants, especially when I'm speaking doubt. And I said, God, I know you can. You said, well, that's not doubt. But the way I was wording it, the way I was phrasing it, the way I was praying about it, was I was not expecting God to. I was just complaining about it over and over again. And God interrupted me. I said, I know you can. And he goes, but you don't believe I will. And that just like, shoo, shut me up. And I was like, and he said, I'm trying to show you something with these books. I said, Lord, what is it you're trying to show me? 
He said, you went from getting ready to throw them all away. Then you said, well, let me just see if any of them would sell. Then they started to sell a few at a time, and you didn't get real excited, but it was okay. He said, then I opened the floodgates, and you sell hundreds of them in one month. Hundreds shipped all over the world. And you came to expect those orders every single day. And when they didn't come, you were shocked. And then he reminded me. He said, knowing I can do something and believing I can do something are two different things. Now that may not sound right, but let me put it to you this way. Knowing intellectually up here is knowing God can if he wants to. Can we, how many of you believe God can do anything he wants? But where do we believe that? Right here. And he said to me, believing is saying God wants to do so and I'm waiting with an expectation that he's doing it. Now this may be too much for some of you. Some of you may just blow it off as fluff, but it's not. Because the man told Jesus, who came to Jesus with his son, if you can help us, and Jesus replied basically, the if isn't on me, it's on you if you can believe. See, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today is in a place right now where we need to move from the mental acknowledgement of what God can do into the place of knowing and believing God and expecting God to move in miraculous ways. Listen, God's promises exist to show us what he wants to do. So how do we, how, how, how do we receive a miracle? There's no cut and dry way. I am not for people who say, well, here's the formula. Do step one, do step two, step three, step four. Listen, God deals with us all in different ways, but there are some very practical things, three simple things I want to show you this morning, and it's from the book of Joshua. From the, from the time that Moses died, Joshua takes over as the, the head of, of the leading Israel into the promised land, and God comes to Joshua and goes, this is the day. This is the day. You've been wandering around for 40 years, and he said, but this is the day. This is the day, the promises that I gave to you, the promises that you've heard all these years, the promise, this is the day that it's going to happen, okay? And, and, and he says, this is the time of fulfillment of the promises. And Holy Spirit woke me up Saturday morning in the middle of the night and goes, ask my people, do they understand what's, what I'm saying right here? Do they believe that this is the day? That the promises that God has promised them. The promises that he has told them. The things that he has shown. Do they believe that this is the day or are they just hoping that that day comes? 
In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua tells the people, Consecrate yourselves, because the Lord will do wonders or amazing things among you tomorrow. So how do you, how do you receive a miracle? The first thing you have to do is simply prepare. In the passage above, the priests had to move closer to the river. Uh, historians show us uh, that they were, they were basically seven miles away from the boundaries of the Jordan. And, and Joshua tells the priests that they've got to get in position to get ready to cross the river. In other words, it's time to get ready. I said it's time to get ready, folks. I'm, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to wander 40 more years. I'm ready. It's time to cross over. It's time to walk into the promises God has. It's time to see the things that we've been praying for come to pass. It's time. It's time to quit hoping and saying, if Jesus, you can do anything, please help us, Lord. No, we need to get past that where Jesus is saying, if you can believe, all things are possible. All things. Turn to your neighbor and say, all things. I went, there you go. Now I heard you. All things are possible. That's what Jesus said. So we got to prepare. The second thing is, we, he says, consecrate. Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves. Why? What does that mean? He, he's talking about taking specific steps that they needed to do to consecrate. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said the preparation was spiritual because the task was impossible. What they're getting ready to do is impossible in the natural. There was no bridge. There was no canal. There was no under, you know, pass or anything like that. They had a river in front of them. In fact, it was flooding the banks at that time. It was in the time of the year where the, river, uh, the Jordan River always went over the banks. It was in the time of flooding. And, and the preparation was spiritual because the task was impossible. They had to prepare themselves for the manifestation of God's power in their midst. And Jesus told the man, if you can believe, you, he's telling us, we, you've got to get to the place where you can believe. You can believe. It's time we quit waiting for someone else to believe for us. It's time for us to believe. Say, I can take hold of that. God, I, I believe. I, I look at what you've done. I see what you have done. I know how you've done this before. But God, you're not limited to the past. You're not limited to the future. You're not limited even now in the present, God. You are able to do all things. And the miraculous requires us to spiritually get where we expect it to happen. Expect it. Expect it. How many of you, you get a notice saying, uh, you've got a refund check that's been mailed to you, you should receive in the next two to three days. How many of you every day are going to your mailbox looking? Come on. You're looking. Are you just looking to see if there's something in there, or are you looking for the check? You're looking for the check. Why? You're expecting it. Something's changed. Normally you just open it and go, oh, junk mail, whatever. This time you're opening it and you're going, where's my check? Where's my check? Where's my check? I ordered uh, something from my wife for our 49th anniversary a couple weeks ago. Sent UPS, second day air, tracking number. 
gets to Lafayette. They don't know where 6408 Johnston Street is. Driver says, we went there. Nobody was home. I said, nobody came to my house. Next day, nothing. Next day, nothing. I'm doing the tracking. It hadn't moved. So I put a tracer on it. They can't find it. I'm calling them three times a day. First of all, I wanted my wife to have her gift for our anniversary. She got me something, and I haven't opened it yet. I said, I will not open that until yours gets here. I'm looking for it. UPS contacts me and says, we've looked, it's lost. Contact the shipper. I call the shipper, and they go, we haven't received it yet. I said, neither have I. It wasn't shipped back to you. It, was never got, it never got to me. So then they said, well, contact the bank. So I contact the bank, like, what is this going to do, right? And, and you know what I'm expecting? Nothing to come out of it. And you know what's come out of it? Nothing. UPS has lost it. The bank has no record of it. And, and, and so yesterday I get a notice that they've refunded me my money. I'm like, great. But the thing that I ordered is not in stock anymore. And I'm like, bummer. What am I going to do now? And so I'm like, God, this is the biggest mess. I said, you said anything we pray about will happen. God, I want that package. So I go online, UPS says, we've conducted a search and it's lost. Contact the shipper. I said, here we go again. I said, no, I'm not going through that mess. Lord, I'm looking for that package to show up. I don't know where it's at, but it's going to show up. Last night, I get a text from UPS. You can expect delivery of such and such package on Tuesday. And I started, no, I started to go, I believe that when I see it. And immediately, I felt the Spirit of God go, whammo, come on, don't play holier than thou with me. You've been there too, right? I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, I want that package because I can't get it replaced. I want that thing that I bought her. I think it looked good on her. I want, it's jewelry. I said, I want that, Lord. And, and, and I said, hey, it wasn't super expensive. I said, I just think it would, I want that. I thought when they refunded my money, I could go back and reorder it. They don't have it anymore. I said, I want that. And I get a thing from UPS and text, the package you, you'll receive on Tuesday by 7 p.m. And I went, yeah, I, I thank you, Lord. <laughs> See, even then, I'm sitting there preaching on an expectation. And he goes, you don't even, ex you didn't expect that text. They must, they must have found it somewhere. So I hit the thing, track it, and it says lost. 
But somewhere, somebody did something to send a text saying it's coming by Tuesday by 7 p.m. I'm expecting a package by 7 p.m. on Tuesday. How many of you will expect with me? <laughs> okay, I'm just telling you. Here's, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. The miraculous requires us to spiritually get to where we expect. Not hope, not wish, not like let's agree and maybe one of us will have enough faith or if we get ten of us we'll have enough faith where we will just pray, we'll speak the word and, 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 they, and God will move. Some of you have been praying for your lost loved ones. But you've not been praying with expectation. You've been praying with hope, with wishful thinking. When I read about the, the prodigal son, the focus is really not on the son, it's on the father. For the father was looking every day down the road there was no word. There was no text message. There was no, no message that his son had come to the end of things and realized he needed to come home. But the, the Bible says when, his, when the father looked far off and saw his son coming, the father was looking for his son with expectation. And that's what God's trying to say to us. We've got to take the first step. We've got to get to that place. We've got to prepare ourselves. But we need to get to that step. Look what it says in Joshua 3 and through 17, 13 and 17. It says, As soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord of, the, of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in the heat. Joshua tells the priest, Okay, here's the deal. You've got to pick up the ark. You've got to step into the Jordan. And the minute you do that, the waters that are flowing by, because it's a flood season, remember? It's not like a little teeny creek just dribbling by. It's a flood season. He said, and the waters that are going by will stand up in a heap. I went, I, I, I went back and looked at this. And see, people today in the church, they want the water to dry up before they'll even take a step. And verse 14 says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at a flood stage all during the harvest, and yet as soon as the priest carried the Ark, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge. I want you to see this. This is so cool. Because it says, as soon as your feet touch the water's edge, he said, the waters will stand up in a heap. And if you, if you know anything about, they had the priests who are carrying, right? There's the ones in the front, ones in the middle, one in the back. And, and they're carrying the ark on, with the rod, you know? And the first couple step into the water, and guess what? Nothing happens. And, and uh, the others are going, keep going. <laughs> you can keep going. I'm up here with my feet in the water, and it's still flooding by. And it, but it says, as, I want you to notice, it says, as their feet... Their feet. And, and the, key, the, the key point was, was this. It took every one of them to step into that water. It wasn't until all the priests carrying the ark stepped into the water 
that we see that the word that God had given Joshua come to pass. It took every one of them. I imagine the guys in the front were going, hey guys, the water ain't stopping. And the others are going, well, it will when my feet get there. And then their feet get there and they hadn't stopped yet. It took all of them getting into the water. Look what it says. And yet as soon as the priests carried the water and all their feet touched the water edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant on the, of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Not on the edge, but in the middle of the Jordan. It was dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing of the dry ground. The priests had to take the first step. They stepped in, and when their feet touched the water, God pushed the waters back in both directions, okay? That's what you need to understand. The Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we should show forth the praises of him. God expects his people by their life and their faith to believe him and be a light to the world that's living in darkness. So how do, what's the process here? What's the, the water didn't roll back till their feet touched it. You're not going to see miracles just happen and then go, okay, now it's time for me to go. God is going to move you to the edge. He's going to, he's good. He intends for you to cross over. In fact, if you go back and look at Bible geography, one of my favorite classes in, in Bible college, the city of Adam, where the water says was pushed back and stood up, was 16 miles away. God pushed it back that direction, upstream, upstream, 16 miles away. God doesn't intend for you to get bogged down in the middle of stuff. The miracle came as a result of their obedience. The second thing I want you to understand is that they crossed at the appointed time. And God's time and your time and my time are not always the same. Because if it was us, we'd have had it done a week ago yesterday, right? But God has a time, and we need to understand something, that walking by faith is not according to your agenda, your calendar, or your clock. It's according to God's timetable. And when you and I begin to walk by faith, and I say by faith with an expectation, faith with an expectation. I've been listening to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 over and over and over, and it names all of those people. We talk about those that are in the hall of faith. You know, all of those people. And right near the end of the chapter, it says, and everyone believed, and yet not one of them received the promise that God had told them. And yet they were looking for a city not built by man's hands. They believed. And you say, well, that's not very encouraging. Who God says they had faith. They were expecting it. What would happen if the church changed from talking about it and hoping for it to talking about it and believing? What would change? Oh, I'm praying for my child that they'll get right with the Lord. 
But you know how they are. They're rebellious. They're this. They're this. They're this. There goes your faith. Walk right out the door with your words. When you and I walk by faith, we do it when we don't feel like it. We do it when God says to do it. And we don't get to choose when to walk by faith every day as a faith walk. I said every day. Every day is the appointed time. They not only across at the appointed time, and I'm going to close with this, they across at the impossible time. And what I mean by that is simply this. Walking by faith doesn't mean God's going to make it easy for you. He has a purpose. There's a reason it's taking place the way it is. This past week and a half or so, I've dealt with two or three people. And, and my heart breaks for them. They're going through such difficulty in their life. And they're struggling to, to even believe in God anymore. Because it's not happening on their timetable. It's not happening yet. Time's gone by. And time, it just makes it tough sometimes. Come on now. It's tough. Tough. But when you're holding on, God's promises don't have a lifespan. They don't have a life limit. You know where I get emails or text messages all the time. Get a free ice cream sundae. Da, 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 da. And it says, good through the end of this day. And I'm like, I'm out of town. I can't get it today. In other words, that, that offer has a lifespan of its own. You see what I'm saying? God's promise doesn't have a lifespan. It doesn't have a lifetime limit. God says all things are possible to them who believe. If you believe, not if I can do. I can do. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. St. Augustine said, faith is to believe what you do not see. And the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Church, it's time to get to the place where believing with expectation. Believing with expectation. I want to say, this pastor's heart's thrilled with this view right here. All these young people right here. You sitting up front because somebody made you sit up front. Are you sitting up front because you're expecting something? Expecting to be part of something. Expecting God to do something. What you sitting up here for? Help me out. <laughs> Somebody just said, well, let's be cool and go sit on the front row. No. You came expecting Him expecting, and they will not be disappointed. If you expect nothing, then you'll not be disappointed with nothing. 
But if you expect something for God to do something, then you will not be disappointed because God will meet you right where you are. I'm praying for the church, not just life church, but the church of Jesus Christ to come to the place where they pray ex with expectation. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's already been sent. It's coming. I may not see it today. I may not see it tomorrow. I may not see it then. But it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Because Jesus said, if you believe all things, all things, all things, all things, all things are possible to him who believes. How many of you want to become part of the camp or the church of all things? Of all things God. All things God. All things God. All things God. I want us to pray right now. If, if you're able to stand and you want to be a part of what God is doing in this day and you say I want to I want to I want to move out of that wishful thinking area I want to I want to move out of that hopeful kind of place I want to I want to get to the place where I believe I'm expecting and when it, it doesn't happen I know it's coming I know that I know that I know that it's coming because God said so if that's you, I want you to just stand to your feet. And God's going to take a record. God's going to make a notation of every single one of you who stand to your feet. Because he, 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 he delights in that. But he's working in, in your life. He's going to begin moving you closer to the edge. See, when, when things look bad, we want to move back. God said, no, it's time to move up. It's time when things look difficult, we want to, ooh, ooh, maybe I need to rethink this a little bit. God says, no, you just need to move a little closer because I've already given you the promise. You've already prayed. You've already believed. So all things are possible. I'm telling you, all things. There's some of you, your marriages have been on the rocks and you, you thought there's no hope. I said, God said all things are possible. All things are possible. Your child has wandered away. God will bring them back. I will testify to you that God will bring them back. You say, but my help, God is able to do above and beyond all things. All things that you, you can imagine. God said, I'll do more. I'll do more than you can even think or imagine, God said. So I always said, think big, imagine big, because God will do more. God would just move us out of that realm of hopefulness, wishfulness, believing with expectation. You know, if you, when we come together, if we come in the doors of this place, or if it's a house meeting, you're coming in to that house meeting, you're not just dragging in. You're not just kind of, you know, well, I'm going to hate it this morning. No, you're, you're there going, I'm ready. I'm ready. 
Because God's going to do stuff. God's getting ready. I'm, I have an expectation in my heart. What would happen if during the week we lived the life all week long with expectation? I'm telling you, it's where God's wanting to move the church. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take these these rambling words of mine this morning because I feel so impressed by your spirit, what you want to say and convey. That God, you would impress upon every one of us, beginning with our thoughts, beginning with our speech, beginning with our attitudes and our motives and everything else, that, God, we would become a people of expectation. Expectation. Not just when a special speaker's coming or a special weekend's planned or a special meeting is planned or whatever. God, that every time we gather together, we come with no boundaries, no limits, no, no ceiling, Lord, on where you can move, what you can do, how you can do it. That God, we are expecting a move of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say this right now because I feel impressed very strongly. There's some of you that God's been trying to use you in the gifts of the Spirit, but you've held back because you felt like that's not the way it's supposed to be done. There's no such thing in the Bible. There is order, but there's divine order in it. And, and the Bible says that the body, when it comes together, is to be fitly joined together and that every gift benefits everybody else. And, and the Lord said, quit waiting for someone else to step out or, or to be used in a certain area, but you just know if God is speaking to you in that, you then, then in an orderly, godly manner, begin to begin to operate in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you're not expecting God to use you. You're expecting God to use somebody else. Turn that thing off and flip it around. When you walk in. You say, Lord, here I am. I am available. If you need me, use me. Change it. Change it to where you, oh, it's got to be pastor, or it's got to be brother so-and-so, or sister so-and-so. No, you just say, Lord, here I am. Use me in a way that flows with the work of this Holy Spirit and that the church may flourish.
So I believe you said so it is.
from the impossible we'll see a miracle God we believe God we believe for the immovable break the unbreakable God we
Oh 